Good evening and welcome to another episode of Nigeria Politics Weekly. As usual, my name is Michael and co-hosting with me is Phoenix. Today we have one guest. Our guest is Eloka. Eloka is a finance professional. Now we'll be discussing three topics. First of all, a leaked audio conversation alleging or alleged to be between Peter Obi, the presidential candidate, and Bishop Oyedeko of the, is it Word of Faith or Living Faith Church? The, the conversation between them was leaked, and that has triggered a, a massive debate in the media. So we're going to discuss that. Secondly, we'll discuss the fine imposed on Channels TV by the Nigerian government for the interview of Dati Baba Ahmed, who was Peter Obi's running mate. And thirdly, we'll discuss the controversy surrounding the whereabouts of Bola Tinubu, who was announced winner of the 2023 presidential elections. So to our first topic, Phoenix, Peter Obi is alleged to have been holding a conversation with Bishop Oyedipo of, is it the word of faith, living faith? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with these uh, uh, churches, my apologies. But thing is, first of all, can you can you tell us why why this is generating so much controversy? So it's it's, a, it's an alleged tape. Is it real? And secondly, why is the conversation controversial? Hi, Michael, and uh, thanks, Aluka, for for joining us. Thank you, listeners. Um, I mean, the 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 audio showed up on social media as these things I want to do. And um, and I've, I've, I've listened to it as have quite a number of people. And we've had, of course, the expected back and forth um, between, of course, those who are opponents of uh, Peter Obi and the Labour Party and those who support him. To your question about is it real? I mean, there's nothing that has authenticated the uh, audio so far. We've seen people claim that it's real. We've seen somebody, <laughs> I mean, uh, one of this, um, I can't remember what they're called, something journalist, something, something that came out and said they did a fact check uh, using some software to check it. But as it turns out, what they use uh, only verifies video, not audio. So that's, that's ab absolutely not helpful. So the veracity is, um is in doubt um because it's not number one nobody knows where it came from it's just being published by people's gazettes and uh and when you listen to the to the audio there are too many discrepancies too many inconsistencies that, that lend itself to um doubting um that it is a real audio one is i mean for those who know um, we do very well. They've, they've said that this is clearly not his voice. I don't name that well enough. Um, but I think the twist in the tale came when, uh, what's his name, one of the spokespersons for the OB campaign, ostensibly <laughs> in trying to, I, I don't know what the guy was getting at, but basically came out trying to justify what was being said. And that inadvertently seemed to be proving that the tape was real but then we've had official sources we've we've had the head of the uh, media for the campaign 
and the chief spokesperson. I'm talking about Diron Nifade, who is head of the media campaign for for the Obidati campaign, and um, Yunusa Tanko, who is the chief spokesperson for the campaign. You both have come out, put out a statement, and and denied it on behalf of Pitobi, saying that this is fake. It didn't happen. Um, according to Gazette, they reached out. They didn't get any feedback. We haven't heard anything from um, either Obi himself or from uh, Bishop Oyedepo. So for me, given the inconsistencies, um, I wait to see any verification or authentication. And until that happens, given the current state of the polity and given things that we've seen, I, I seriously doubt it. I know that some have said, look, we've, we've seen some of these things happen. And, and uh, well, I mean, it's always he said, she said. And particularly people called out the article tapes that we, that we heard that uh, came out, uh, you know, where he was talking about SPVs and things like that. I think the, the thing that jumps out at me is you can't compare. Why? Because the person who leaked that, that article tape was the other person on the call. There were two people talking, it was Adiko and somebody, and the, and, the, and the other person is the one who brought out the tape. So you may say it's doctored or something, but at least there's a point of verification. There's somebody to hold and say, yes, this is, this is who brought out the tape. And that's why, I mean, you can give it some, some benefit of the doubt. On this one, there's no authentication. Uh, there's no you know, confirmation. It's, it has the markings of something that has been made up with a lot of inconsistencies. And so it's, uh, it's one of those things that, that, that is swirling around the, the social media space. And of course, it, it doesn't help because you never know how far these things can go. But uh, quite clearly, it makes no, makes no sense in my view. Thank you, Phoenix. Let me go to Eluka. Eluka, you've heard what Phoenix said, but I need to clarify because Peter Obi's, a few members of Peter Obi's campaign actually came forward and said, or didn't deny the audio, but were trying to explain or provide context to what Peter Obi was saying. So can it be really true that these tapes are uh, were, were doctored or that so, actually... Uh, Yes, please, please go on. So, um, I mean, that's, that's part of the problem the P2P's team has. I mean, when we talk of communication, there should be one line of, one, one channel of communication. What had happened is that two people who happen to be part of the whole labor team have come out to put context. But as far as we are aware, officially, P2P's media team has said that tape is a forgery. You know, so, but you know the thing about Nigeria is that we always have confirmation bias. People who want the tape to be true have gone, have latched onto the opinions of those two people when we already have an official statement from the campaign team. So, I mean, I, I don't want us to dwell on, on to dwell on the mistakes of those two people. What, what, what I think we should dwell on is what does the official statement say? And the official statement says, the tape was a forgery. Now, for me, knowing the antecedents of the APC and, and some people also accusing the PDP, I'm not surprised because we this is their modus operandi. They know how to obfuscate. They know how to, I don't know, well, I call it, they have a penchant for disrespecting Christian leaders. 
I mean, if you guys remember in 2011, 20, during the campaign of 2014, 2015, they played the same trick on Good Luck Jonathan. I mean, you could see APC leaders saying that Good Luck Jonathan was using Ayori Sejafo to buy weapons to decimate the North. You could see people saying that Christians were behind Boko Haram. I mean, you could see them saying Good Luck Jonathan gave $5 billion, took money from the NSA and gave to the pastors so pastors could preach for it, could help convince Christians to vote him. And it just happens that, I mean, it's the same old thing from the playbook, always trying to, once APC is contesting against the Southerner, they bring up this religious bigotry. And of course, there will be some people who believe these are lies and move around with it. I mean, I mean, it's, it's kind of frustrating, but I think that unlike 2015, I think the obese, obese supporters and the obedient army, I think they were well prepared for these year games. And so that's why nobody can believe it because if you listen to the tape, although there's nothing logically wrong with the tape, but you could see some wordings and mannerisms knowing P2B does not use those kind of words. There's a place where he said you'll be voting for Manicha, P2B doesn't vote in Manicha, he votes in Nagulu. So, I mean, you could see clearly that whoever tried to forge or do an AI impression of P2B didn't use zero, didn't fail to recognize his words and mannerisms. So, I mean, officially, the tape is a forgery. There's really nothing to dwell on. Thank you, Eloka. Phoenix, the twist in the tale is the fact that Bishop Oyedeku, who was allegedly speaking to Peter B, issued a statement, and I read it in the media, but Peter, Bishop Oyedeku did not deny the tape or claim it was doctored. All he simply said was that he had never asked any candidates or asked his church members to vote for any candidates. So if Bishop Oyedeku is not denying the tape, why are why are you so convinced that it's it's doctored, Phoenix? Um, it, it's strange. The, the the issue for me is it, it, it can't. Number one, this idea that he has to deny is strange to me because. What is it? What is he being asked to deny, and why is he being put on the spot to deny? Do you get? And where does it stop? When when the world of AI today, so anybody can come up with anything, and all of a sudden he is automatically put on the spot and has to deny. In his position, do we see how untenable that that can be? All he has to do is to state his position, which I haven't read the statement that you're talking about, but I, and I'll look for it and try to read it. But the point is, you are putting somebody who is, who is leading such an organization, which is global, followed by millions of people, you're asking him to get into a situation where any, anybody can sit in their, in their bedroom, cook up something on, on their computer, put it out, and Oedipo has to jump out and deny the person who has to deny is Peter Obi, who is the one running for public office, who is the one who has held himself up to a certain standard, who is the one who has repeatedly said, do not vote for me because I'm a Christian, do not vote for me because I'm, I'm from this ethnicity, blah, blah, blah. And so he is the one 
who is being held to the microscope because the, the take, if it is true, is antithetical to what he stood for. So that's why, and he's the one who's, who's, who's asking for votes. That's why he must be the one to deny. And that's why his spokesperson have come out to talk about it. And I know very well that the next time that, because he never shies from things like that, the next time that he's, he's in front of a microphone or a journalist is posing the question to him, he will speak, he will speak to it at length. We've seen that several times. But to, but to ask Oyedeko, because his, his work goes beyond this. And so to ask him to deny, and that the fact that he, he hasn't denied means that is a tacit acceptance is for me, no. We've seen too many people with significant responsibility who will not put themselves in a position to, um, to acknowledge or to accept to speak on an issue because it puts them on a slippery slope to where anybody can come up with anything and, 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 uh, and then you have them playing defensive every single time. There's, listening to the tape, there's, no, there's nothing that Oedipo said if that was him on the tape that was egregious. He wasn't the one, that, if you listen to the tape, he's not the one that was saying, we just was not the one that was saying, please talk to him. So, so for me, the real person who needs to deny, if anything needs to, to deny or needs to answer for the tape is Toby, and he has answered that. Thank you, Phoenix. Eloka, do you, do you agree with Phoenix's assertion that Oedipo did not have to deny the authenticity of the video? Well, well, I mean, I agree with it very well, 100%, because, I mean, you want to get involved in this political propaganda. I mean, it's, I think, first of all, I think it's, enough, it's a lot of disrespect to Oedipo's standing as a leader of one of the biggest Pentecostal churches in Nigeria to be responding to propaganda by low-quality propaganda. I mean, he doesn't need to deny anything. He doesn't even need to get involved. I mean, he has put out statements saying he has never convinced anyone to do anything. I mean, that alone is clear, it's unequivocal. So I don't, I'm not sure you should get involved in this messy APC PDP games, you know. I agree with him. I mean, the person who, who needs to deny has put out a statement saying the thing is a forgery. And I, I and I and I think that I think that for me, as a, for me, right, I, I I look at some of these religious games and I just and I just shake my head because a party, the APC is fond of playing this game. And so what they do is they throw a dog whistle. And if you respond, if you're not conscious of yourself and you respond in a way, don't latch onto your response and build another propaganda on it. So I think Oriadipo's response was perfect. Nothing to say again. Thank you both. Although truth be told, I'm a bit skeptical i think if i were in the bishop's shoes and i was accused of having that kind of conversation or my voice was published in in, in, in the media that way i think i would have either denied if if it wasn't me so that's my personal perspective but onto the other aspect of this whole uh, saga and i need to go to phoenix first phoenix a number of people have raised the question of if these tapes or this, this, this conversation was authentic, 
are we saying the Nigerian government or elements within the government are illegally taping people's conversations? Does that not raise broader questions, Phoenix? Of course it does. Of course it does. And that's why, that's why for me, it's, 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 it's important to continue to push on, on this matter because it's one of two things. As I said before, there's too many inconsistencies for me to think that this is real. But on the off chance, <laughs> I'm holding out for that 10% chance that this, this is true, then somebody was tapping either uh, uh, Obi's line or Yedipo's line, one or the other. So, to, And the only people who would have the capacity to do that would be the government. And so that it, it, it brings, I mean, into light significant issues for the Nigerian populace that we have a government that is doing this. And make no mistake about it, I have no doubt that this government, this APC government is capable of and will and, and probably has been doing stuff like that. So for me, it's, it's, a, it's a major issue. And, and the question now becomes, how do you pursue it? Because the two people who are involved, if they are saying that it's fake, then they can't be pursuing the, the wiretap angle, right? Because if you're saying that it doesn't exist, then why are you creating an issue around it? So it, it, it's a catch 22 in the sense that the people who are, who are involved, who should be pursuing such an angle, probably cannot. But it does raise questions around um, security, around um the i mean the the safety of people and the and the proper way in which um government agencies should behave it also for me raises issues around i mean <laughs> two things have happened first we had dss come out and make a statement about some people doing interning planning to set, um, put in place an interim government and basically coming out threatening people who are going to court and all of that. Then we hear this recording, which if true, could be a result of a wiretap. And you can trace that very clearly to the DSS. They are more than likely to be the one who are doing it. So it tells you what, what kind of people are leading such an organization. And number two, it brings into perspective the issues that we've had with insecurity in the country with the, with the bandits, with Boko Haram, and nobody being able to you know, bring them to book. And then you have potentially you know, a, a state security organization that is able to sniff out threats like interim government and potentially, if this tape is true, is able to tap people's lines but cannot bring, uh, you know, cannot do the same to bring uh, bad actors to book. So there are significant issues for me. And, uh, and I mean, I wait to see how this plays out. I want to see if there are more revelations and then we, we, we definitely will know if that's the case or not. Because if, if another recording comes out, then you definitely know something is going on. Thank you, Phoenix. And let me go to Eloka for the last question on this topic. Eloka, the broader question that a number of Nigerians have asked, and maybe you can help us answer it, is the fact that INEC has already declared Bola Ahmed Tinubu the winner of the election, so he's likely to be sworn in, in on the 29th of May. So the question Nigerians are asking is, why 
are these conversations still being leaked concerning Peter B? We're not in the campaign season. So wh why are they still, why, why are these political games being played at this time post-election? Eluka. <laughs> so it's interesting, right? I mean, if you were not, if if you were not in Nigeria or you were just a casual observer of what has happened, you will assume that there's still an election going on or there's an election coming up. But what I think it's happening, I think it's the fear of illegitimacy. I think that the APC is still not confident enough in their victory. And so part of the game, I think they've been, part of what they want to employ is to pummel P2P and his movement into submission, you know, raising up this dust, raising propaganda to ensure he backtracks and withdraws his suit, his cuts, his suit against them, challenging the legitimacy of the election. I, I think that's what's happening. I mean, if you've, if you've truly won the election, shouldn't you be thinking of healing the nation or going around meeting people, both those who voted for you and those who didn't vote for you, assuring them that your presidents will, all be, will always be about Nigeria, it's not about parties. But almost a month or close, more than a month after the elections, what we see is this partisanship, this political propaganda still making the airwaves. And I, I just think it's fear, you know, fear that, you know, in your deep in your heart, you did not win this election clean and square. And so what you intend to do is to beat the opposition into accepting the results, which they have refused to accept. So I think it's fear. Fear, must, fear is the only thing driving this hysteria by the apes. Thank you, Eloka. Now to our next you know, topic. You know, just, 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 just to add to what Eloka was saying, sorry, Michael, for cutting in. It's just fun, fundamentally, I think from, from, from last year, when, when all this campaign thing was ramping up, we've been seeing this issue of, you know, when you have when you have a, 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 a poison chalice, when you have a bad candidate, it's and you've accepted that look, there's nothing we can do. This guy is bad market. The focus has to be on bringing everybody to the same level. And that that's what I see. So even though the election has been it has purportedly in the eyes of INEC been won and lost, there's still um, a court case to prosecute. And there is enough doubt that needs to be, because it, it, you see the point, the, the issue they have right now is the public sentiment is so against a Tinubu presidency that they know that judges are human beings. They, 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 I mean, I talked about this last, last week about public interest and, and things like that. But you need to puncture that, that public sentiment by showing Peter Obi to be one of them to be just like them to be the, everything they've wanted to be able to sell about him so that you dampen the public sentiment and then you give judges the window to maybe go against what they would normally not do when they hear when they see that and i think that's because they they, they know that they're still fighting a battle even though they've been given a certificate of return it's not yet uhuru in the sense that the case is so strong against them and the public sentiment is so strong that you know you need to you need to solid this guy and make him to be just like you and then you know be able to go forward hoping that things fall your way but i mean 
it hasn't worked, but I mean, the people who are in Opie's camp have to brace themselves that it's 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 just revving up. Court case hasn't even started yet. <laughs> Thank you, Phoenix. Now to the next topic, which is this government fine of Channels TV for the interview of Dati Baba Ahmed, who was who was Peter Obi's running mate. We'll go to Eluka first, because Phoenix has just spoken. Eluka, what exactly did Dati Baba Ahmed say that offended the government so much that they felt they needed to fine Channels TV? I think it has to do with his interview with um, Channels uh, response. I think it was with Shenwu of Channels TV. And I think in that interview, he was actually drawing the attention to the quote-unquote unconstitutionality of swearing a government that did not meet the constitutional requirements. You know, and if you had watched that interview, um, Shun tried to, um, he tried his very best to, I mean, interject when Dati Ahmed made those pronouncements about the, Supreme, the Justice of the Federation swearing a government that has not been elected unconstitutionally and that if we set this precedent, it won't all go well for the nation. So I, I think his, his own, that his argument was clear on the APC candidate or the INEC declaring a candidate winner of the election when they are not fulfilled the constitutional mandate of winning 25% of the cast votes in the federal capital territory. That Ahmed was said um, that the ruling of the Supreme Court is clear on that, that for you to be declared winner of the election, you need, you must, it's mandatory for you to win 25% in the federal capital territory. You know, and so, INEC declaring Tinubu winner was unconstitutional and um, this Chief Justice swearing in the Bola Tinubu or meetings now will also be unconstitutional and that it will surely lead to a constitutional crisis. I, I think that's where, I think that's what the NBC was not um, was not okay with. Even though you could see clearly Shane trying to um, correct his correct his um, his statement by saying that the court has not declared it, and therefore he, as a private individual, cannot um, openly say what INEC has done is unconstitutional. You know, but 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 what I think again is that I think there's there was a little bit of executive interference. I think there was a little bit of third party interference because what we noted was that the Bola Metinable campaign, the APC, the APC and the Bola Metinable campaign wrote a letter to the NPC to find that Yamed. You know, so what we cannot say is is the fine coming on the heels of this letter or did they have an intention to find that Yamed? So, I mean, that's that. I mean, it, it, if 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 the fine is coming on the heels of the letter, then it, it tells you that we are we are we are in for a lot of media interference with the with the new APC, the with the incoming government of Bola Metinobu, because we can clearly see that there have been attempts to stifle the media. You know, they, they want to create a situation where everything that comes on the media will be vetted by them. They've, they've done a good job in stifling our regular media, I mean, TV and print media. 
you know, mainstream media, mainstream media, they don't report on things that are relevant, you know, because those ones always have to find favor with government. Fortunately, Nigerians have social media and open media where they're able to get news and disseminate to Nigerians to know what's really happening. So I, I said that um, I said that there was a bit of interference in this fine, and then. Um, what makes what baffles me the most is that nobody has been able to find that Ahmed. No, no, I, I don't see anybody calling him to come and see you when you, you could be accused of committing treason, treason on television. I mean, everybody has left him, you know, and so finding channels without actually penalizing that Ahmed is uh, it's, it's 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 interesting. We just uh, wait, wait, wait to see what the outcome will be. Thank you. Thank you, Eruka. Phoenix, there's the question, because if, if based on what Eruka is saying, the, the government's case is that, Peter, that Bola Tinubu has been declared winner by the legal pr process, which is INEC was empowered to conduct an election and declare him winner. And therefore, he's the presumptive pre president-elect. And if Peter Obi has a problem with it, then Peter Obi should go to court, not have people go on TV questioning the legitimacy of the election. So in, in your view, that, that is, seems to be the argument for alleging that Channels TV has committed an infraction because their view is that Channels TV is basically uh, in, inciting maybe a coup d'etat or in, encouraging an insurrection. Do you have any sympathy with what, what they're saying, Phoenix? No, I don't. I, I do not, because I don't think that there's anything that Dati Ahmed said that is outside of the realm of um, free speech. And number two, I think Eluka is absolutely spot on in the sense that, I mean, number one, it's a live TV show. So unless you are saying that there are certain people who should not be allowed to come on air, what did you expect the anchor to do at that point in time beyond what he did? He was having a conversation with Dati Ahmed. Dati Ahmed said the things that he wanted to say. Sheung Okimbaloye tried to counter the things he was saying and obviously distanced himself and his station from him, but they still get penalized. So for me, while the person who said something, we haven't seen him, because what I would expect is if you are saying that the guy was making inciting speech, then somebody should have invited him and asked him to clarify the comments that he was making, not penalizing uh, the station. But when you go back to the, the statement or the position that the government is trying to take, what really has Dati Ahmed said? He, he has said that it is unconstitutional. The guy is a former House of Reps member, he's a former senator of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. So he probably knows one or two things about the constitution. So the question is, and we, and we know that I mean, let's juxtapose the things that he is saying against the things that people like Bayo Nonuga have said, people like Festus Keamo have said, people like Femi um, um, uh, they have said. So, I mean, <laughs> the, 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 the idea that people cannot express their opinion within bounds, because he hasn't, he hasn't, he didn't say there's a call to arms. He didn't say that people should get into the street and, and push against the government. What he said was that it is unconstitutional and that it is wrong and that the president should not put himself in a position where he is doing something that is unconstitutional. 
and that the, the chief justice should not, I mean, do something that is unconstitutional. They, what should then happen is somebody should call him out and tell him if he's wrong or not. Not this high-handedness, not this um, NBC attempt to dictate what is free speech um, to Nigerians. And so for me, I have zero sympathy in what, what the government has done. I thought it was, I, I think it is high-handed. I think it is, it, is, it is cause for concern. We have seen this kind of action um, in the last eight years. We have seen this kind of censure and it worries, is worrisome to, expect, to think that we may have to expect the same if, uh, if APC does retain power and continues to be in place. I mean, you cannot stop people from airing their opinions as long as they cause no arms, harm to, to anyone and they do not um, com commit treason or, or, or try to create a, a situation of insurrection. Bulati Ahmed saying that Bolatinubu, Bolatinubu is, not, he is, not the, he is not the president. He's a president-elect. So he is not, I mean, challenging his, his, uh, his um, victory is not insurrection, it's not treason <laughs> against the state. So, I mean, it is fair game until he is sworn in and it is still fair game to the extent that um, there, there is recourse in court and that is, that is happening. So for me, um, I, I think this was just, uh, it was ridiculous because one, you're just punishing the, the TV station um, unnecessarily. And number two, you're not even going after the guy that that made the said um, offensive speech. Thank you, Phoenix. Eloka, the other question that I need to ask, and a number of people have raised on social media, is the fact that Bolatilibu and many people in his team were former democracy, pro-democracy activists during the Abacha regime. So the question people are asking is, how on earth have we got to the point where former pro-democratic activists are now about to be going into government and all of a sudden Nigerians are scared about media freedom. People are asking, that how, how is this possible? That should they not be the ones who are most likely to deliver a truly free and democratic press? Uh, Eloka? Well, I mean, that's the irony of Nigerian politicians or the irony of the quote-unquote the inadequate democratic activists of the early 90s. I mean, You've asked a question that I really can't explain. I mean, how did you, as people, transition from being fighters for free press, you know, free press, rights of citizens to air their views, to a set of people who suddenly do not think free press is a priority, who want to clamp down on citizens' rights, to free press, to gather, to express. You know, it's it's a question. I mean, I I believe that in maybe in after we've left this earth, people, writers, sociologists, thinkers are going to try to understand what what really happened. For me, I would say clearly that I mean, I I can no longer place these guys as people who fought for democracy. What I think, why I'll place them are, I'll place them as a bunch of duplicitous people who used democracy as a means to get power. And so they've gotten power now and they no longer feel democracy is relevant. 
what they think is relevant is what they say is relevant. I mean, you look at people like Kyle Defy me. I mean, I, my, my brother and I, we followed him where we read his PhD thesis, thesis when he finished from KCL, trying to understand the thinking behind this guy who was part of the people of Video Kudirat. You know, and as you evolve over time, as you mature, you grow, you now say, look at your heroes of the past and you you get disillusioned with what they've turned out to be. These are the same people who, who understood what it meant to be oppressed under the military, under the military, who understood what it meant for your rights as a citizen of a nation to be taken from you. Your right to speak, your right to assemble, your right to protest against injustice. These people understand it. Bola Ametunibu fled this country because of injustice. Kaede Fayemi fled this country because of injustice. They came back riding on the waves of the democratic ideals that they once stood for. And what we have seen them do is to upturn everything they have once stood for. It's disappointing and it's unfortunate, but it's not surprising. You know, so I, I keep on telling people that, I mean, history will not be kind to them. History will not be kind to them because they have stood and they have watched. They have seen their Nigerian citizens lose every dignity. The APC government has taken the dignity of the of Nigerian citizens away from them. They don't even have a right to say what they want to say. We saw a country where President Buhari banned Twitter because Nigerians reported a tweet of his that they felt was exciting. And you could not, I could, you could see these people who fled when the Kudirat was attacked come out in the open and support the ban. And you ask yourself, if you as educated intellectual class cannot stand for what is right, what future, what, where is the hope for the average Nigerian? And I say it, and I'm going to say it again, that Nigeria is failing because the intellectual class has failed. I don't expect the young man on the street working who doesn't understand what, this, what democratic ideals mean to stand up for what is right. I don't expect the talk on the road or the hungry or Kada rider. Those, those are not, I don't, there are no expectations of them. Our expectations are of people who understand what democratic ideals are, who understand, who have lived in this system, who understand that for any system to progress, to succeed, that power must reside with the people. These same people studied up to PhD levels, wrote tests on ideals, on freedoms, on legacies, on how governments should run. So they understand this thing. What they agreed for power has made them upon everything they once stood for. It's a shame, you know. But I, like I say, hope, all hope is not lost. The young people of Nigeria will decide what their future will be. People will not decide it for them. The APC will not decide it for them. And I, and I keep on saying to young people, do not let any of these men with no morals, no integrity, decide your future for you. For you. I mean, they might have the power, but doesn't mean they'll win the victory. Thank you. Thank you, Eloka. 
think we need to move on to our next topic because of time. That, and that's for Phoenix. Phoenix, there's a lot of drama or there's 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 controversy in the social in social media about the whereabouts of Bola Ahmed uh, Tinubu. We have all these uh, leaked or alleged leaked audio tapes about Peter B. Uh, Dati Baba Ahmed, uh, the TV station being fined because of him. But in the midst of all this, nobody seems to have seen Bola Tinubu. So Phoenix, where is Tinubu? Well, I can only talk about the, his last uh, reported location, right? As far as I'm aware, we're told that he was in Paris. Um, and all we've seen since then are videos and images of him in some European city. So as far as I'm concerned, that's his last reported location. And that's that's where I expect that he is. Um, but the interesting thing is every time there's a video that <laughs> gets shared about the chap, somebody does a search and finds out that it's an old video or an old image from some time ago it's it's um it's absolutely shocking the way this this guy and his and this whole charade that they're going on with is is incredible i mean you have somebody who wins an election uh first of all disappears for a while right after the election um, and then has gone abroad. The person, I mean, person is not. It's not as if they. I mean, doing any consultations or just disappeared from public view. This is somebody who, in the next um, what now, less than two months, I think, or what am I saying? Less than three months should be taken. Yeah, we're in April already. Yeah, less than two two months should be taking office. And uh, the the people in the country where he's supposed to lead have no clue where he is or what he's doing or in what condition he is in, and um, I mean it just it just seems like Nigerians are unless unless this can be stopped one way or the other through the courts, Nigerians are in for for a bumpy ride to come. Thank you, Phoenix. I just want to pin down Phoenix. So they've issued statements in the past that he was on his way to the Hajj, that he was going to stop over in, in France, then go to the Hajj. But we've heard no news further about the, the Hajj matter. So do you think he's gravely ill? Is that is that your theory that this, this man is, is gravely unwell? I believe he is unwell. I don't know to what degree. I think to the extent that, I mean, he, he has to be, that he is being kept away from public eye. There's, there's definitely uh, more to it than meets the eye. And so, for me, I do believe that he is ill. Um, but, but I don't know to what extent. the The other thing for me, and I saw somebody comment to that effect, and I, I, I had a smile because yes, I could totally relate to it. The other thing for me is. I mean, this is this is someone who clearly knows that he has an unpopular, um, in my view, a stolen mandate, and so creating distractions is right up his alley. It's something that he needs to do because 
um, the more he's available in the public eye, the more he's, his um, legitimacy will be called to question. The more he's available in the public eye, the more he will be sought out for, for comments. The more difficult questions will be put to him. He is now, to all intents and purposes, in the eye of, at least in the eye of the law, the president-elect. This is no longer a Nigeria-only issue. There are people who look to Nigeria and have interest in Nigeria. They are public. Uh, they are sorry. They are international. There's an international audience as well. So if he is out there and available, there will be international journalists who will seek to speak with him, who will ask him questions about the petition that has been put out, who will challenge him on on things like the you know the drug case that has been um, brought up. So him being a way is also part of, may also be part of the ploy to keep this guy, you know, under wraps for a while. And while they just, you know, count the days down to when he's sworn in and things like that. So it's for me, I, I mean, of course, anyone looking at the guy would know that he's unwell and unfit for the office and the rigor of going through an election campaign will surely have told on him. So I would not be surprised if he has broken down and if he's in a bad shape. But I'm also aware that given all of the swirl, it may also be a tactic um, to keep the guy away from, from public there. Thank you, Phoenix. Now look, at, I'm sure you are old enough to remember the saga surrounding Umaria Ardua who seem to be in and out of hospital, uh, leaving the country effectively rudderless. Then we had President Buhari, who also spent a lot of time in and out of hospital. And if Balatinibu is sworn in, it, it seems that we might be back to this type of leadership again. The, the question is, Eluka, why would the APC knowingly select a candidate who they know is physically unfit for office. What, what, how, how does Nigeria benefit from this kind of arrangement where the, the president or president-elect is, is constantly out of, out of action? So, I mean, Nigeria does not benefit, but politicians benefit. I mean, I think I, I look at the Bola Ahmed Tinubu president and I think we are back to the Yaradua Hunger Games of where, you know, is he alive? Is he dead? Omaru. I mean, you know those games that you know those, you know the same things that were employed in during your last time where you had people traveling to Mecca or to Saudi Arabia to go and check up on him. And when they came back, nobody and nobody refused to, everybody refused to talk. Is he alive? We don't know. Is he dead? We don't know. You know, so it's unfortunate that the kind of politics we play always brings out. I mean, you see, you see the kind of politics would be the end result is drama. Why should Nigerians have to deal with this kind of drama again? I thought we had dealt with it in 2007 and we said never again. But in 2023, the APC, knowing fully well, even fellow contestants said it, that this man is not okay, he's not fit. You felt that the end justifies the means and picked this man. And so Nigerians again have lost, have gotten the short end of the stick. And a lot of the reasons why the OP movement was good was because 
I think Nigerians come to the point and say, we are tired of this political drama. We want someone who can see, who can hold responsible. We no longer want hide and seek. Because I can bet you, for four years, if Tinubu is sworn in, we are going to be having this drama. You're going to have, you're going to have the president who just picks up, leaves, whose whereabouts will be unknown. Because nobody's going to disclose what is exactly wrong with the president. Because we do not have that, our, politi- our, our, our political system has not matured to that level where, I mean, the health and the health status of your president will be known by everybody. No, nobody knows. Nobody knows what is wrong with him. We all know, based on face, evalu- val- face value evaluation, that there's something wrong with him, but we don't know what is wrong with him. And so you've seen a president, or quote unquote, a president elect leave the country. Doesn't disclose what is going for. All we heard is going for a medical checkup. And Spanish, if you've, you have seen videos, uh, they will show one video for the video of what was trending. Pinibu taking a stroll on the streets of Paris. Pinibu breaking fast. When, I, mean, I mean, we've dealt with this kind of drama before. We don't want to deal with it again. It's a shame that we have to deal with it. But again, it's, the, it's why our political processes need to be need to be cleaned from inside out so that we don't get this kind of outcomes. Our political process ensures that the worst of the worst comes out to rule us. You know, so, I mean, I'm not surprised. I just hope that um, the courts do their job and Nigerians don't have to fall, uh, or Nigerians should not have to, have to deal with this kind of drama again in their lives. Thank you. Thank you, Eluka. I just need to ask one question, which is that on the international scene, is it not even a security risk that none of our past leaders seem, even the the ill ones, never seem to be treated in Nigeria? Even when they are sick, they are abroad. So foreign governments seem to have more access to their health records than we do in Nigeria. Is that not a security threat? It is. Yeah, of course, I mean, everybody knows this security threat. But I mean, like I said, I'm not sure our political leaders are smart enough to understand the kind of threats they are being, the kind of threats that they expose Nigerians to. I mean, clearly, if Tinubu is ill in a hospital in France, clearly shows that the Secret Service of France will know the kind of ailment your president has. The president of France will know the kind of ailment your president has. I mean. It's funny. And so with that kind of information, who knows what they might do with it? Nobody knows. And if France knows, I can bet you America will know. If America knows, I can bet you Russia may know. Again, so like I said, our political process gives Nigerians bad outcomes. It's a failure of the political process. You know, and it's unfortunate, but I, I hope my most most Nigerians are hoping that the courts for once do what is right and ensure that justice be done. Thank you. Thank you, Eloka. Let me go to Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix, so assuming um, the president-elect returns in time for the inauguration and is sworn in and his health doesn't appear to improve, 
who, who do you think will be running this government then? Will Shatima be the point man in the administration if that happens, Phoenix? I think it will be interesting. I think, um, I think, I mean, the, the thing is, if it, it depends on how soon he becomes incapacitated, right? It, because what, what, what we've seen in the past is with the with Anumaria Dua, there was clearly a cabal, I mean, of his own kitchen cabinet who, who, who were basically running the show said to have been led by his wife with, with um, Buhari when he was incapacitated. There was also an immediate kitchen cabinet, but you see it was easier because they, they had established themselves. After he had come to power, they had, you know, they, they already had the reins of office and, and all of that. If an in, if Etinubu is incapacitated from day one, it is going to be easier for Ishetima, and especially knowing his character and knowing that he's going to go there and put up a fight, to to be different from. I mean, he's he's clearly a different character from an Oshibadu or a Good Love Jonathan. So you would expect him to put up more of a fight. And like I was saying, if he's in, if Tinubu is in there from day one, it makes it easier for the vice president to be the natural person to turn to, and so he could he could. Uh, take on a really big role from the very beginning. But then again, it's also a function of the state of their party. APC is not exactly a united party at this particular point in time. We know what the um, uh, primaries did to them. And we know that, I mean, they even throughout the elections, they didn't exactly have a united front. So you also wait to see how that how that pans out and how that will play into a, a a weak president who's not able to make his claim coming in with a coterie of people who are not especially versed in federal politics. There's going to be a lot of new folks on his team. I don't, I mean, the, the, the people who were, uh, who have had federal experience are, are not exactly chummy chummy like before. Maybe they've patched things up. I mean, I'm talking about the likes of Fashola, the likes of, uh, uh, what's his name? Oshimanjo, obviously. Um, maybe Kyle Fayemi would, would play a strong role. But then, you know, the Tinubu gang will be coming in uh, not as versed in Abuja politics. And so you there, there, will, there will be some drama. And maybe that's one of the things that will make them implode. But... Um, it is, it is sad that, we, that we're talking about this with the others, uh, even though most people knew that Umaru was not in great shape. At least he started well. Um, I mean, Buari too had a first year before he crashed, I think it was in 2016 or 17, if I remember correctly. For us to be talking about somebody going into the presidency in such a bad state is, is um, beyond the pill. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. And so, I mean, we can only wait to see how things pan out. Thank you, Phoenix. This is going to be an interesting time. The only other question I'd like to ask is, there was this debate on social media. I don't know if you, you have the answer, but people were saying in the event that, let's say, Balatinibu dies before being sworn in, the question was who would take his place. Some people said it would be Rotimi Amechi, who came second in the campaign. Some said it would be Shatima 
So what, what, what do you think? What do you think the correct legal position is, Phoenix? I, I believe that it's Shatima that take over, but I'm no lawyer. Um, but given that, and I'm trying to see if there was a precedent. There was this, there was this governor in Kogi, but I think that was not before election or after. No, I think it was before election. So that no, was, no, that was after the election. It was it was the day he was supposed? To, I think they were about to announce the results, and Governor Aldo died, and people thought that Yomi is it Faleke was supposed who was the yeah, one? Yeah, James Faleke. Oh, James Faleke, and instead they they said Yaya Bello came second in the primary or something, and that's why they nominated him as governor. Is that what happened? Okay, um, no, no, because I thought it was primaries that he won. Had they run the actual election itself? Yes. I, well, let, me, the... let, me, let me go check because I can't remember the, the facts of the case. But to my mind, I mean, if you've run a joint ticket, um, I mean, if you run, if you run a joint ticket, your vice president should should be sworn in in your stead. But then you're right. I mean, he hasn't the. It's a, it's a quandary. I, I, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a constitutional lawyer, so I can't, I don't, I can't say. And I don't know. I was trying to look to that precedent, so I'll study it, and maybe it'll be something to to discuss next time. Because I, I mean, for me, a joint ticket. If if one person, uh, if the head of the ticket passes on, you should move to the vice president. That's what I would think. Not to somebody who who lost primaries because you didn't stand for election. You did, you were not voted for by the people. The people voted for. And that's why they always say it's a joint ticket. I, I think, again, to the Bielsa State um, issue, where um, the governor-elect was disqualified because his deputy governor had tendered false documents. The, the courts ruled that they are a joint ticket. And so anything that affects one affects the other. So if we are saying that having gone through the primaries and being presented by the party, as a joint ticket, and then the populist Nigerians, this has now gone beyond party, Nigerians now vote for that ticket. If the head of the ticket dies, you should swear in the, the vice president. That's what the that's what the role is. And so the vice president would then need to choose a, a, a vice president in my view. But you could also make the argument that people were voting for um, uh, Tinubu as president. Anyways, in my view, that's that would be the logical thing to do. But I leave it to lawyers to do, to debate that point and to share with us um, <laughs> whatever the constitution says. Thank you, Phoenix. I'll just quickly ask Eloka. Eloka, do you have any thoughts? What happens if Tinubu is uh, dies before being sworn in? Do you do you know what the law says? I, I think the electoral act dealt with this position by saying that. The joint ticket, um, I think Shetima will automatically be sworn in, but I need to reconfirm because you know, in the James Faleki case, uh, Abubakar, I think it was, what was it? Um, was it Abubakar? I'll do James Faleki case if I so I, yeah, I think it's Prince Abubakar. I'll do, yeah, yeah, Prince Abubakar. I think the Supreme Court dealt, I think the Electoral Act 2022 dealt with this case by saying since it is a joint ticket. Um, the vice president shall candidate shall be sworn as president. Now, I need to check. I need to check because uh, it's a good question you've asked, and um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Like I'm not sure nobody anybody wants the drama of having to second guess what needs to be done. You know, I, I'll, I'll check again just to confirm. Thank you. So my final question to you, Eluka. 
on this topic is do you think Nigerians are going to be willing to accept this another round of this kind of drama? Do you think there'll lead to street protests? Because we we went through this with Yaradua and then with Buhari and now uh, possibly Tinubu. Do you think like, the ordinary Nigerians will accept another round of hide and seek with the president, or will this lead to national protests led by maybe Tunde Bakari, the of the Save Nigeria group, for example? Well, to answer your first point, less than about less than thirty-seven percent of Nigerians voted for this current president-elect. So, to be clear, Nigerians actually rejected him. So, I'm not sure Nigerians want his presidency. He doesn't have a, he has a minority. His victory is a minority victory. So, I can clearly say Nigerians do not want any disappearance game again. They don't. Most Nigerians are fed up. They don't want drama. Will it be a street protest? Will it be led? I I, I don't I I can't say, but what I do know is that there has been a change in guards of, of uh, people who are now politically inclined and socially out. I think there's a, there's a change in guard of the social political consciousness of Nigerians. I'm not sure Nigerians are going to wait for people like Tunde Bakare, who unknowingly has been a bit silent in spite of the various controversies we've had in this country. So I'm not, sure, I'm not going to wait for him. I think if there's going to be a street protest, it's going to be a protest led by well-meaning Nigerians. I don't know if there'll be a protest, but I can say clearly that Nigerians will not accept any disappearance or hunger games again. I think Nigerians are tired and fed up with it. Thanks. Thank you, Aluka. Our time is up. So first of all, Thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. Thank you, Phoenix, for co-hosting this podcast. Last but not least, I say thank you to our listeners who have been loyal, giving us helpful feedback. But until same time next week, I say have a fantastic seven days to everyone. Thanks, Michael, and thanks, Aluka, for joining us. Thank you, listeners. Have a great week. Bye, everyone.